0: Hey everyone, this is our midweek leadership podcast. We believe that as you listen to it, it is going to move your life forward. So get ready for an amazing message. I'm excited about it. Um, and the title of the message is called Don't Pass the Responsibility. Um, and a piece of our culture is that we are owners, um, it's, it's a foundational layer that has built our church and built our serve team into who we are. And, And um, I know for me, this was a game changer when I came here to hear this kind of uh, leadership really shifted my life. Um, Because I came here in 2011, and I started serving as an intern in 2011, and um, I started hearing this vision then. So just so you know, this this isn't vision that happened overnight. This is the vision that our pastors were building the foundation of 11 years ago, or 10 years ago, however long it's been. Um, And so I remember when I heard it. I thought, like, oh, wow, like, okay, we're owners, we're not renters, this is something that I can really be a part of, but what it, what it actually spoke to me in that moment was value. Um, I, I'm sure you guys have all felt that, but it's really hard to stay somewhere if you don't feel valued. It's really hard to lean into anything if you don't feel like it has value or if you don't feel like you have value in the equation. And so um, from day one, that's something that pastors Ben and Jess were just encouraging and speaking over my life was, no, this, in this church, like, we're owners. We all have a part to play. Um, you have something to, to bring here. And so for me, at 21 years old, that was everything. And now for me, at 31 years old, it's still everything because I don't want to do anything in my life if it doesn't have value, just personally. That's just my, my, my feeling about it. Uh, so we are owners is a key piece of who we are. Um, here at our church. And I, I think what's amazing about that, though, too, is if you really think about your entire life, if all of us took a minute to really think through everything we do, everything we give our time to, this is something you want to see in every area of your life, you know, because there's nothing worse than at the end of the day if you feel like you didn't get anything done. And sometimes we're just really hard on ourselves. okay? I'm, I'm going to say that, too. I think sometimes we're just too hard on ourselves, and and yeah, sometimes not every project is checked off the list, or it might feel like you didn't get anything done, but the seeds sown are more valuable than the checklist. Just wanted to say that to somebody today. Uh, but, okay, um, I want to uh, read today from John chapter 11, verse 38. Um, the backstory, this is, this is the story of Lazarus and when Jesus um, brought him back to life. And um, the Carissa version backstory, Jesus you know, uh, Mary, and Martha, Lazarus's sisters, give him a call. They didn't have phones, but they somehow sent him a message to say, like, Lazarus is dying. Um, imagine how long it took the message to get there. I think it would take so long, so inefficient. Like, how did, how did, how did that, how, how did they get him a message? So they got him, they got him the message. So many questions, so little time. Um, they got him the message that Lazarus was was sick, and they needed Jesus to come. And, and I, um, Jesus responds. You know, he's there with his disciples, and he's like, okay, we're not going to go right now. Um, this is going to be a moment for everybody to see God's glory. And so they stay where they're at for a couple days. They didn't leave. And then after a couple days, Jesus is like, all right, let's go. And his disciples are like, okay, but they're trying to kill you there. Like, I don't think we should. And Jesus is like, no, we're going to go. Lazarus is asleep, and we need to go wake him up. And the disciples were like, well, if he's sleeping, he's sick. He probably needs to sleep. (laughs) This is what they said to him. I love them so much. Yeah, and Jesus was like, no, guys, he's dead. Let's go wake him up. So that's, that's my version of it. So that's what happened. They go um, and uh, they get there. And, of course, everybody's super sad because Lazarus has died. And Lazarus was, like, special to Jesus. So, you know, Jesus is also, like, concerned. He wants, he wants to go see Mary, Martha. He wants to go see Lazarus. Um, and so uh, when they get there, let's see, verse 33 yeah, okay, so when Jesus saw, uh, saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, Jesus asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people were standing nearby, said, see how much he loved him. But some people were still saying, this man can heal a blind man, but he, he also could have kept Lazarus from dying. So imagine how painful that probably was to hear. You know, Jesus is just there, like, with his friends and his people, someone he really cared about expressing his own emotion, and then like the mantle of his leadership, you know, he's got some like accusing tone also coming at him in that moment of like, well, hey, he's done this before. He could have saved him. Um, But Jesus knew what he was doing, right? So he asked where they put him. Um, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb where they had put Lazarus in a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance um, was in the way. There's a stone in front of it. And Jesus said, roll the stone aside." But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested and said, Lord, he's been dead for four days. This smell is going to be horrible. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you'd see God's glory if you believe? See, they rolled the stone aside. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave cloths. Grave Gravecloths. Grave cloths, Grave clothes. His face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. So something that I thought was really, um, just as I was reading through this, just personally, something that was catching my attention here was how Jesus asked them to participate in the miracle. Um, Like when they got there to the tomb and Jesus asked them to move the stone. And I thought that was interesting. You know, as an owner, I think that's interesting because Jesus could have probably snapped his fingers and the stone would have just rolled. But he asked them to move it. And then they moved it. And then when he asked Lazarus to come out of the tomb, he asked them to unwrap the, the grave clothes. And I just, I think that's really, really interesting because Jesus could have done all of that by himself. But I think when you're an owner, and I think when you actually get your hands on a situation, something starts to happen in your own heart where, where you start to, personal development happens, I think growth happens, I think um, calling starts to get stirred in your heart when you have an opportunity to actually like put your hands to it and get in the mix and be a part of it, you're not just a watcher, you're, you're participating in what God is doing um, and so as I was reading that, I just thought that was really incredible, you know, this moment and I think if I were in, in their shoes, I probably would have been a little hesitant, right, like if I were somebody there, and Jesus was like, hey, roll the stone away, I probably would have had the same response. Like, this is going to smell. This is going to be uncomfortable. Like, if this doesn't go well, this is just going to be awkward. You know, I, I, how cynical is our world, though, right? Like, a lot of times, if someone starts talking about vision, if someone starts talking about believing the best, if someone starts talking about encouragement, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of voices we have to sift through of people saying, this can't be real that can't be true. Oh, I've heard this before. They're just saying this. They don't mean it to somebody really. But that's just not the way we are. That's not who we are. And that's not the opportunity Jesus was giving. Jesus knew what he was about to do, but he didn't want to do it alone. And I think that's really awesome that he didn't want to do that alone. He wanted them to feel this miracle, not just see it, but to really feel it. And I think as an owner, that to me, is the perfect example of what ownership is. You know, I think in our culture, we've talked about, we talk about ownership all the time, so it's easy sometimes, I think, to accidentally let it go in one ear and out the other. Like, okay, we're owners, that's great, we're owners, we serve, awesome, that's it. But it's so much more than that. Being an owner is so much more than just serving. It's so much more than just, this is my church home. Being an owner is, is knowing who you are in Christ, knowing that God has called you to be a part of this, knowing that there's gifts inside of your heart that the world needs, knowing that you're not done growing because you're living and you're breathing and God wants to use you. Being an owner is really understanding that you're here on purpose. You're not just here by chance. You're not just here because you showed up one time and decided to never leave. Like, God's doing something in your heart and in your soul, and he needs you to be a part and not just needs you, he wants you to, and I think that's amazing. Um, and so I was thinking about passing the responsibility. Um, what, I mean, what I see there is like, okay, I, I love a good sports analogy, so I'll use that, but I, I grew up playing competitive soccer, and I, we used to do this drill, it was called triangle drill, it was three on two, it was basically keep away. So there's three offensive players, two defenders, and a small square, like a small I'm not good at measurements, but very small square. Okay, it was tight. And the whole point was just to work on, like, triangle offense. You know, you'd wanna, you had to move without the ball. You had to get open. And offense, you had to keep it away from the two defenders. Um, but because it was such a tight space, I, I loved this drill and I hated it because it's, um, it is just nerve-wracking. You know, you're in a, you don't want to be the one to mess up for your team. And I remember, like, so, so it's three on two. You really, you, you don't keep the ball for very long. You just got to keep the ball moving. That's how it works. And so I had a tendency every time, I mean, the ball touched my feet, I was passing it already. Like, I, it barely touched my foot for half a second, you know, before I was ready to pass it to my teammate. And I remember my coach stopped me one time, and he was like, hey, he's like, this is not good. And I was like, I'm not losing. And he was like, yeah, but all you're doing is passing the responsibility onto your teammate. You don't want to be the one to mess up, so you just, keep, you just keep getting rid of the ball and passing it to someone else. And you're really putting your teammate in a horrible situation every single time. But I didn't realize what I enjoyed in that moment that I just didn't want to be the one to mess up. I didn't want the responsibility. I didn't want the weight. I didn't want to be the one that lost it. And my coach was basically telling me in that moment, you're better than that. You're not believing in yourself enough. You have more capabilities inside of you as a team play. Hold on to the ball just a little bit longer and get your teammate a pass when they're actually open. And just small aside on this, so like, don't pass, he kept saying that. he's like, don't pass the responsibility on to someone else. And, and I think what I learned in that moment was just like, oh, okay. Because you could hear that and you could think like, oh, great. So you just want me to be the one to fail. Or you could hear that and you could think, okay, this person believes in me. They, they see that I'm capable. They see that I can do this. They see that I can, you know, I have what it takes to, to actually make a better scenario, not just for myself but for the whole team. You can, you can hear that two different ways. But what I think I decided in that moment is, is I just feel like from that, I've never forgotten it because I think what I realized is how many times do I accidentally give someone else an opportunity to grow because I don't want the responsibility? How many times have I just been like, well, that wasn't my team? Or, or okay, we'll just talk like, like leadership roles and responsibilities. You know, in an in a, in a everyday workplace or in a serve team at church or whatever, like someone asks you something, it'd be really easy to be like, well, that's not mine. Like, whew, no sweat off me. Like, whoops. But I'm a part of this team, though. So why am I passing the responsibility on to someone else when I'm just as much a part of this team as someone else? Now, of course, now with any, with any job, with any workspace, everyday job, with, with a serve team, there are certain roles and responsibilities that Tiffany has that I don't have. Uh, but if I'm walking through kids, and it looks like there's a classroom that doesn't have curriculum, I'm not going to walk by that and be like, wow whoops. You know, I know nothing about the curriculum. I don't know where it comes from, who prints it. For all I know, Jesus himself just delivers it to the classrooms. But I'm going to go find out. You know, I'm not going to walk away from that scenario and think, well, thank God it wasn't me. You know, can't wait to talk about that on Monday. No, that's not who we are. That's not what we do as a team. That's not who we are in our church. That's not the way our pastors lead and communicate and encourage. It's not the way God set it up. I think the same is true, like, in everyday jobs and workspaces and environments. Like, I don't want to pass on an opportunity that God gave me to grow. I don't want to pass that responsibility on to the next person. And I think there's a fine line there because there are moments, and I've, I've wrestled with this because my personality is, is a driven one, and so there are moments where I'm just like, I will take it all, you know? Um, because I love it. There's, there's it. But I also have to understand, too, like, as a team, you've got to do that together. Because there are certain things that, like, God is calling out of Adrian that Adrian has to take that. And I, I don't want to take that from him. And so I want to make sure that every single person on our team gets an opportunity to be the best that they can be. So really this works the best when you're working that as a team, when you're believing the best. This is why our culture and the things that we run on are just pure gold, not just for serving at a church, but for your marriage and for your relationships and for life, is when you can get into a scenario where you know, At the end of the day, no matter what goes down, I I believe the best in these people. So even if something kind of rubs me the wrong way, I I actually know that that, that's probably just uh, something I heard wrong. That's something that didn't go, because I believe these people. I trust trust my scenario here. I can lean on this team because it's true to its core. Like, when you have that, you can help each other grow, and you're not passing the responsibility because you're sharing that growth, right? Um, And as I was thinking through... um, I was thinking through that, and I was like, okay, that's what really makes that work, right, is trust. Because when you're in an environment, when you're talking about being an owner, what really gives you the ability to, like, get everything out of that that you can is when, is when there's trust present. Um, and, and whenever you can believe the best, and whenever you can know, like, okay, um, I can be vulnerable, and I can trust this space, because being vulnerable is hard. I, don't, I really don't care who you are. It's hard. It is so hard to be vulnerable. But when you're in a place that you can trust and be open and lean on your team and trust that your team is going to own it when it's their turn to own it, um, I think some really incredible things can happen. And and I think in that space, that's when we stop. We don't pass the responsibility on anymore. We're we're, we're allowing God to shape in us something that he put in there a long, long time ago, um, which was calling and purpose and value. And those are things that cannot be taken from you. But I do think you have a choice. I think you have a choice to allow God to get in there and work through that and help outwork that stuff in your life, or you can keep passing the responsibility on. You know, I, I, think, if, I think if somebody asked all of us, we'd probably all say, if you had a chance to put your hands on a miracle, you'd say yes. And I think when I was, this is, this is kind of um, a little all over the place, but hopefully you're following. I think what I was realizing is I was just kind of processing through and praying through this scripture. and thinking about our church culture and how special it is, it's, it's amazing to think about that. There's a lot of things that fight for our attention or try to steal our um, thoughts when it comes to, in my opinion, ownership. When it comes to that topic, there's a lot of hurt involved. There's a lot of feelings involved. But sometimes I think it's because we're not boiling it down to where it's supposed to be boiled down to. Because at the end of the day, what we get to be a part of is heaven on earth what we get to be a part of is something that has eternal value. What we get to be a part of is something that cannot be taken from you because it's from God and it's holy and it's special and it's incredible. And nothing fires me up quite like that. There's, there's nothing that kind of like bums me out at the end of the day than realizing like, dang, I didn't put my hands to anything that had like eternal value, you know? Like, like I understand there are days when you just kind of get out there and you do the hard work and that's part of it. But like, when you get to have a conversation in the middle of a workday where someone's just processing what they're going through in life and you get to take a second and encourage them, I don't care what else I did that day. I don't care if I had to work 10 hours outside in my yard because it's horrible and the flowers are, I don't even know how to do flowers. We don't need you to teach me, Anastasia, but my house and the flowers, it's a, it's a whole scenario. But, you know, none of that has any weight on my shoulders anymore because I just had a moment where I got to put my hands on a miracle. That kind of ownership, I think, just changes everything. And I, and I just, I, I think what God, what I was feeling when I was reading the Scripture is just realizing, okay, what God has invited us to be a part of is so special, and I don't ever want to treat it like it's not. And the opportunity we have every single day when we walk through our doors as a church, you know, I see the, like, brokenness in our world. Of course we all see it. When we see the, um, the brokenness of, of people every day. I think we all see that. This church saved and changed my life. What we get to be a part of when we come here week in and week out is so incredibly special. It means everything. And there are people who are hungry. There are people who don't have ownership in their life like this. There are people who don't know that God actually sees them as valuable enough to actually have ownership in something like this. There are people out there who feel like their life means nothing. And as a church, we get to walk in here every single day, and we get to make sure that people know they're loved, know they're encouraged, know that we believe in them, know that God in heaven sees them, knows that. Like, we we get to carry that everywhere we go. And I don't ever want that to be something, when we talk about ownership, where it just comes down to, like, do I serve or not? Ownership is so much more than that in our culture and in our church and in our, like, what God has asked us to be a part of. You know, it's, it, ownership is so much more than that. And I think that's the main thing I just want to share today is, is, this is this is in our culture. It's been in our culture from the beginning. It's who we are as a church. We're owners. We're not renters. We believe the best. We see, you know, this is truly who we are. But ownership is so much more than just boiling it down to am I on a serve team or not, or do I do this or not. It's, it's truly who you are and who God has called you to be. And I think the question we all just have to ask ourselves in those moments is, like, okay, or at least the question I'm asking myself is um, I want to make sure that I'm always open and trusting God with every single thing he hands me, big, small, or indifferent. I want to be, be ready at any given moment, not just for the church God has called me to, but for my family, for my daughter, for my husband, um, what are the things that he, has, he is literally putting in my hands and asking me to take care of, and have I accidentally overlooked it? Like, what are the miracles he's asking me to put my hands on and, and pray over every single day? I was thinking about that with my daughter. You know, I, I've been doing this funny thing with her every now and then. It's not funny. It's, I think it totally matters, but she, she laughs at me, so it gets funny. But where, um, which, Yeah where we, like, do her nighttime routine, and we have these words of affirmation that she has to say out loud. And and every now and then I'll just be praying over her, and I'll, like, pray in, in like, my spirit language. And she just thinks it's hilarious. Literally, she'll just, like, look at me and start laughing so hard. And I'm, like, she's not even saved, you know. like, Like, she's not even saved. But sometimes in those moments, vulnerable, I'll be vulnerable. Like, sometimes with my daughter, I'll look at her and I think, like, I don't know if I'm doing a good job. I know I, know, I know I am, like I'm not being weird, but like, like I don't know, you know, like, but if, if I give her nothing, I want to give her that. I want her to know that she's covered when she walks out of my house. I want her to know that when we're, you know, she's walking into school that I prayed for her and maybe it made me a little bit uncomfortable, but I prayed out loud, even if she's driving me nuts. You know, I, I think about Jesus when he shouted and he said he shouted so that the other people could hear him. Because he said to God, he's like, God, I know you hear me all the time, but I'm going to say it out loud right now because I want these people to hear me too. I think the same thing for my family and my life. Like, it's a little uncomfortable, but it's worth it. Yeah. You know, being an owner is, is so much more than, than I think some of the things that we get tripped up on sometimes. So if there's any encouragement to leaders or anybody listening right now, I just want to say you're right where you're supposed to be. God has trusted you with so much in your hands that, like, only you can be a part of. And what we get to do is an honor. What we get to be a part of is a privilege. And, and the best news about it all is we don't have to do it alone. God has surrounded you with people who, who believe in you. And, and I, I just, I'm believing that there's going to be a fresh wave again, all over again, of what it means to really be an owner in the kingdom of heaven. There's so many things and conversations on the table these days. I'm believing that God's just going to keep stirring in our heart again and again and again the depth of what it truly means to be an owner, not just in our church but in our city in our world, at restaurants, with our families, just that we'll remember in every single moment who we are and the miracles, that we would see them, see them clearly, the miracles that God is asking us to put our hands on and be a part of, um, because I just don't think there's anything better in life than the gift it is to be a part of one of God's miracles and to be a part of something he's asking us to do. So I'm going to pray for all of us, and we're going to go attack this Thursday. Love you guys. God, thank you so much for your endless amounts of grace for us. Um, Thank you, God, that you see us even when we fall short. You love us. God, I thank you that there's nothing that we could do to find ourselves outside of your grace and your love. And so, God, right now in this moment, I just pray for every single person that, um, that we would just remember every single gift you've given us, that, that it would just be fresh in our spirit again, our salvation would be fresh in our spirit again, that we would remember um, just the privilege it is, the honor it is to be a part of your kingdom. And I just ask, God, that you give us fresh eyes all over again. Um, to see what you called us to own, to see the corners of our world, the corners of our city, the people in our city, people in our church even, God, that you would just give us your eyes so that we would see the miracles you're asking us to put our hands to, that that we wouldn't look at it as simple tasks, that we wouldn't look at the literal job, that we wouldn't pass the responsibility, but that we would see the opportunity to really get in the mix and be a part of what you're doing. God, we're so grateful for that opportunity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome, guys. Love y'all. Okay, let's have an awesome Thursday. Hey, church, we hope this message has pushed you forward in your leadership and your relationship with God. We can't wait to see you this Sunday or in a connect group. Have an amazing week. We'll see you then.